What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tommy, you just got back from uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. What were you doing up there? Yeah, so I was driving the new Ford Bronco Everglades. Not in the Everglades, clearly. And I am very, 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 very bad at my Michigan terminology because I walked into an ice cream shop and I ordered an Up Mackinac, which was the flavor of the ice cream. And it was actually UP Mackinac. So I got both words wrong of the ice cream flavor. Don't they call the people up there uh, Youpers? Youpers. Yeah, is that right? Uh, that sounds right. I'm not the guy to ask, clearly. <laughs> I don't know either. Anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about the new Everglades Bronco. We're also going to be talking about the uh, Bronco Raptor, since we've had it here at the office. And, of course, we drag raced it against the V8-powered Jeep Wrangler 392. So all that is coming up, plus whatever news we can get to. Next on the TFL Talk podcast, Matt, roll the music, please, and let's get going. Welcome to TFL Talk, the official podcast of TFL Studios, where we talk about the best, and yes, even sometimes the worst new cars. We talk about the coolest and sometimes the least uncool old cars. And of course, we give you an insider's view of all things automotive, and hopefully we do it having fun and sometimes arguing. So if you're driving, keep driving, and if you're not, why not? So for those wondering, Matt is our editor. That's why he said Matt cue the music. Thank you, Matt, for really coming in, coming in clutch today and doing a great job on the podcast, as always. So, Tommy, uh, before we get to uh, your uh, adventures in the Upper Peninsula, why don't you define what an Everglades Bronco is, please? Well, the Everglades Bronco is kind of like the overlandy off-roader enthusiast Bronco. So it is not quite the Raptor, right? But it certainly is more special than a standard Bronco. So there's a model called the Black Diamond, which is already like the off-roady choice. And then what they do is they add these super cool wheels on it, a functional snorkel. It's got a functional winch right from the factory. Uh, they actually change the breather tubes on like the, the diffs and stuff. So it's got deeper fording depth and they give it a cool roof rack. So this is kind of like the uh, the enthusiast dream Bronco. And for those of you guys who are listening to this, Tommy's pointing to the screen, which you can't see, but 
we did publish a video this weekend over at TFL Now. The easiest way to find it is alltfl.com, where you do a walk around of the Everglades. So if you want to see what it looks like, uh, head on over to alltfl.com and you can check out the latest, greatest, and newest Bronco. And Tommy, let me ask you this. Why are you wearing waders? We did some crazy, 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 crazy mudding in the uh, in the, the northern part of Michigan, which I have not done a whole lot of, but it was a really amazing experience. And they gave us these waders because there were times where, like, especially for me running around like headless chicken filming, I would be up <laughs> like two, three, three feet in water. And the wa- these waders were incredible. Have you ever worn waders? Yes, I actually went hunting. Did you know the wader, the pants, waders. the pants part? Duck hunting. The pants part is connected to the boot. Yes, I knew that. I thought that they were separate for some reason. Uh, no. So that was a big surprise. But what a magnificent invention the waiter is. I'm going to wear them everywhere. I was well, going to wear them through TSA, and well, then well, well, I decided not to. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, did they help you find the drone that you stuck into the mud? They they were very, yes, they, they felt very bad about that. I was tr- I was um, riding shotgun with my drive buddy, Kristen, yeah. and we were going through basically a swamp. I mean, there's one section where there's like 500 feet of water and mud. So it's, it is like the Everglades. Yeah, it is. But the northern version of it. So we, the, the northern, more friendly version. So we dive in no there. Alligators. We dive into the swamp, and I, I'm like, I fly the drone. It's going really well. I'm like, wow, look at this amazing shot. And then I look out the window to make sure my GoPro's still on because I'm like, it would really suck if I lost the camera in the swamp. Yeah. And then I look back up, and in that split instant, I look down. The drone was gone. So then I look down at the little screen with where the phone is, and it's a drone gets disconnected. Was, was it one of those submergible drones? It was absolutely not a submer- submergible drone. Yeah, <laughs> right. So so you, you plopped the drone into the muddy water and it disappeared from view and you had no clue where it went? Yeah, it's gone forever. I do have the footage off of it. Luckily, it was saved okay. to my phone. A little bit low res. It wasn't like the nice 4K shots. Right. Um, <laughs> and we also did like nine hours of driving, so I was pretty fried by look, the end of the look, day. Dude, I'm okay with that. Don't worry. It's kind of the cost of doing business. Oh, I felt terrible. I like the, I like the uh, snorkel on this thing because I did see it at the Chicago Auto Show. And, you know, most snorkels look like they're just kind of stuck on the side, right? Which they are. Let's face it. We've done snorkels on our off-roaders. And what ends up happening is you buy a snorkel and then you cut a hole in the hood, which is a little terrifying. uh, And then you got this, like, really awkward-looking thing that kind of – I'm doing, like, a little – snake thing with my hand right now that sticks out on the side of the passenger window and, and either you face the air intake forward or backward but inevitably what you end up getting is a lot of noise from the wind as it whooshes by the snorkel and it makes the passenger if it's on the passenger side very unhappy and grumpy or the driver if it's on the driver's side so does this snorkel actually make a lot of wind noise i have no idea didn't you drive it yeah like nine miles an hour the whole day no didn't you drive it like on the road yeah, like 35. I, I don't know. I mean, I think we hit maybe 50 miles an hour once. Yeah, so did it make any noise? I don't think so. You would have noticed it. It's pretty noticeable. Well, like our Land Cruiser didn't make noise until you were going like 70. Well, and we then had a vibration and it started hitting up against the side of the What this does, A-pillar. which is uh, uh, very cool, is so it's, it's a factory-installed snorkel, right? And it is a special fender, actually, on the Everglades. This is the best-looking fender, by the way. Because every other Bronco has this kind of perfect half moon. This is kind of squared off and rugged. And it's even better than the Raptor, I think. But yeah, the snorkel is very cool. And what I love about what Ford did with the snorkel is they didn't call it a desert air intake. They called it a real snorkel. So remember Toyota did this thing a while ago where they put one on a TRD Pro Tacoma. And like all the lawyers were like, no, you can't call it a snorkel. Yeah, because if you submerge the truck beyond its fording weight, you're not going to help yourself with a snorkel because it's really not a true sealed 
air intake where it takes all of its air from the snorkel. So uh, water could potentially get into the Toyota. So the lawyers were like, no, don't call it a snorkel because that'll make people take it into deep water. So Ford has somehow gotten around that. Mm. Why are you giving me that look? That's exactly what no, I'm saying is because exactly true. What's interesting about the snorkel thing is... No, that's not... What do you mean? Mm, that's true. No, it isn't true. It because is true. the issue with the other snorkels on the market... The First of all, snorkels are a little, little silly because... On modern-day vehicles, you will fry the electronics, you will flood the diffs and the transmission with water so well before you get what's, to... What's the fording weight? It's, I'm getting there. What's the fording height? Sorry. One sec. So you would flood the entire electrical system well before you get to a lot of modern-day air intakes, even if they're under the hood. What the snorkel offers, if you do get a little bit of water over the hood, um, you are going to have that clean, fresh air up top. But the big difference here is Ford actually moved a little vent breather tubes up 87 millimeters in the front and 55 millimeters in the rear, which means in total you get three extra inches over uh, any other Bronco of waiting depth. Wait, wait, what, what breather tubes? Oh, this is very important. I mean, differentials have to have little oh, breather tubes. Oh, so the tube. differential breathing tubes. And I think even the trans... I don't know... I'm not sure. I, I, I kind of... So I gotta look, check what, my notes what, again. So tell you, you're looking at me like I'm an idiot, and I always hate that. So we're I'm not get, looking at yeah, you. Yeah, like, you're like, oh no, you're an idiot, Dad. No, I'm just first saying, of all, if you're gonna say this, say it in inches, not millimeters, because this is an American podcast. I have no clue. You know, you just said millimeters. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I told you it's about three inches. So three inches more waiting depth than any of the Bronco. Ooh. Why did you get all offended? Because you looked at me like I, I did I said, not. You, you gave me this look like you're an idiot, Dad. It's just my face. I didn't yeah. give you a look. You did. You gave I me did that look. That looked like you were just so stupid. You don't know that there's breathing. No. In the transmission, no. so I'm gonna, you know, show you. Yes, you first did. of all, I might be the idiot there. I don't think there's a breather tube in the transmission. I think it's for the diffs. Um, someone will let me know in the comment section, but I wrote it down in my notes. But it's got extended I, breather tubes. I think tubes. what I said is valid, Tommy. No, the Toyota thing is more than that because I think the Toyota is not limited by the air intake position. It's limited by like the fuse box and everything else. Um, they also, by the way, when they did the snorkel, they had to move a whole lot of other stuff in the engine bay. But uh, I mean, if look. So is it, okay, if you're so smart, I'm not. What? Well, please well, don't make me feel well, bad. Where, where does where does the air come in outside of the snorkel then to the engine? I'm already a, a, a nerdy kid. Don't make me feel bad. I'm not making, you're the one making me. I'm feel not bad. making you feel bad. I just didn't give you a look. It's just you, my you face. Said, I said, hey, so is that true? You said no. Like I was some kind of. I did a, not. Like, I just like, said like, like oh. a teacher slapping a four-year-old Jeez, down. I said who asked if he can go to the bathroom. Well, I'm sorry if I made you feel bad. I did, it was not my intention. I just said mm, I don't think so because Toyota <laughs> is of course going to be limited by their very, very, very conservative. Let's be honest, lawyers, right? And of course, Ford has lawyers too. I don't know if it's lawyers. Maybe engineers. We can't it say. It could that. be engineers, but I don't think Toyota moved the breather tubes on their on their Tacomas when they re when they did. So the how, how much in in not metric? How much fording? Depth does the 36.4 inches. 36.4 inches, so three feet. Uh, yeah. Three feet, like that much. Well, you need to remeasure your three feet. That's three feet. That is, that is. So you're rolling on 35, so three feet is what? About halfway up, maybe two thirds of the way up the wheel? Is that how I, is that, is that, would that be fair? I'm, it is not fair. No, 30, so 35 inch tall tire, right. 36.4 inch fording depth. Okay. So it's, it would be like halfway up the door. Okay, well that's impressive. Is basically affording depth. And did you go into that into water that deep? We did do some really deep deep mudding. Yes, yeah. so that video is going to be up live um, um, on Tuesday over okay. at TFL Off Road. And did the water come into the cabin? I can't tell you that. 
Why not? You have to watch the video. Oh, no, just tell us. No, you have to watch the video. Oh, I, I've, you know, we just did a whole podcast on the truck channel where I completely talked about what happened when you guys went towing with the uh, lightning. That's coming up on truck, by the way, and how little range it had. And I, I, I've changed our editorial policy. Right. So we're not going to be teasing. I, I, when I listen to podcasts and I hear them tease stuff. I like hate I listen, it, too. I really hate it. But I can't. I, I, I contractually can't Oh, because of the embargo? Yeah. Is that a driving impression? I think I think it's a driving okay. impression. All right, so yeah. that's fair. Right. So so I hate like I listen to behind the glass and they're always like teasing stuff. Oh God, when he bought a new car, that was literally a half hour of teasing what it is, and I hate that. It just makes me grumpy. So I don't want to do that on this podcast. But if it's if Ford obviously has a and when is the embargo on Tuesday? Uh huh. So this publishes on fun, Monday, so we can't actually say. Right. Fair enough. All right. Why, why are you getting down on me here? I'm just, I'm just doing saying, my thing. I'm, I'm not just, trying I'm to make saying, anyone feel bad. I'm just saying fair enough. Um, but, so yeah, it's got the, the snorkel. Now that Warren Winch in the front is yeah. an interesting story. So it, it sticks out well beyond the bumper. And they actually had to recertify the crash testworthiness of the Everglades. That's expensive. Yeah, very expensive versus any other Bronco. Wow. And is that waterproof? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a Warren Xeon 10S. Okay. And what they did basically is modify it from one that you can buy off of the showroom floor. So 10 means it's a 10,000 pound winch. S means that it's synthetic. And then what they did to modify it is they actually redid the, the coating on the winch, like the powder coating, to meet Ford standards. They changed the fair lead and the, winch and the hook design once again just to make sure that it would be completely corrosion free for Ford standards. And then they also changed some of the mounting hardware. But it uh, is a cool thing to have. So this Bronco go down, goes down the assembly line with other Broncos, and then it leaves the assembly line and goes to something called the Mod Center, which is kind of similar to what a Raptor does as well, where uh, some of these things are added. Cool. Uh, and uh, anything else unique about it? I, I see that you've got kind of a cool color there. Is that a unique um, Everglades color? Is that It sure is, yeah. Yeah, yeah that right there is the, um, the hearing aid beige, mm -hmm. uh, which is, of course, the hottest color in the off-road world. <laughs> it's this flat kind of tan color. It is the hottest color. Our ZR2 is that same color. Um, someone on the trip called it prosthetic arm beige. Uh, but no, I do love the color. It's a fantastic color. It's actually called desert sand. And I love it. I really like it. Now, currently, it's exclusive to Everglades. But that may change going forward. And another thing about the Everglades, too, is it's got that roof rack up top, yep. which I think has over 400 pounds of static load, so you can put a rooftop tent up there. This vehicle is kind of a one-stop shop for someone that wants a kitted-out Bronco to go do cool stuff so in. So has Ford released pricing yet? 53000 So our uh, Sasquatch first edition was 63, so you're 10K less. Right. And the Bronco uh, Raptor that we had here with the bells and whistles was 81, so mm -hmm. you're significantly less. But you can only get the four-cylinder in the Everglades. wonder why that is. Did you ask? I did ask. Yep. Uh, first of all, the four-cylinder is right around 100 pounds lighter than the V6. So it floats easier? Well, that coincidentally is the same weight as the winch on the front. Okay. So you do sacrifice um, some of the, the power for the added weight of the winch. I see. And then fuel economy. All you right. know, cafe standards is a big deal. But it's got, basically it's a Sasquatch Bronco. So it's got lockers, it's got the same tires as our Bronco, the 35s. Any difference on the interior? Uh, yeah, well, it's got full marine-grade vinyl everywhere. So it's got vinyl seats, it's got complete vinyl floors. It's got the big screen, there's not a whole lot of options on it. And then it's got some sticker packages like the Everglades. And it will only be available to the uh, current Bronco reservation holders right now, actually. So they're only opening it up to folks that currently have a Bronco on order. Well, that's great if you have one on order, but it sucks if you don't, huh? There's a lot of folks that have Broncos on order, though. So that was kind of the thinking. They're okay. like, okay, so we're going to make this kind of a the thank enthusiast? you. Yeah, the thank you for waiting so long. If you want, you can 
by the, this model. Yeah, it makes sense. It's clever. Do you like the wheels? I do like the wheels. Are those unique as well? They're kind of they're kind of pie, uh, pie pie tin wheels. They look like them. slotted mags almost. Yeah, yeah they're uh, they're unique to the Everglades. An aluminum wheel that kind of looks like a steel wheel. And do those rock sliders come uh, as part of the package? Yeah, I mean it's basically a black diamond that's been sasquatched. So it's got it doesn't have the stay bar disconnect. It's the one thing it doesn't have. But it has front locker, rear locker. It has. Um, uh, Traction control off and the um, what other hero buttons? The turn assist. And if you guys want to uh, take a walk around, once again, all TFL, it'll be up there right now. And you did a good walk around, so we can see what is what when it comes to the most, uh, shall we call it, uh, uh, rainworthy, uh, lakeworthy, oceanworthy Braco. <laughs> what shall we call it? I love all of those. Yeah. yeah. And there is. One other thing I can talk about, uh, which is, of course, not under an embargo, but yeah. I had the opportunity to uh, – so we basically we were in northern Michigan at this spot called Drummond Island. So we started in Mackinac, which sometimes is spelled with a C at the end of it. I don't understand why that is. But we started in Mackinac, and then we drove a couple hours to a ferry. I think it is Youpers. I think it is It's definitely Youpers. Yeah. The reason I'm hesitant is I'm not sure if Mackinac is considered the UP. I don't know. I've never uh, been up there. I'm, I'm kind of jealous. Where'd it's you, beautiful. Where'd you, where'd you fly into? Traverse City, and then we drove up. But an absolutely wonderful part of the country. And One I've of my never favorites. seen Lake Huron. So what's Lake Huron like? Very cold. Is it? I grew up in uh, Chicago, so I, I spent a lot of time on Lake Michigan. But I need to make sure that's the right Great Lake here. Now you got me worried. Uh-oh. Is it Erie? Uh, no. Can you name all the Great Lakes? Erie. I should have been able to do Huron, that. Once, once upon a time, I was able to do that. Erie, Huron, Michigan, Superior, Ontario. Very good. I think that's all five. I think that's all five. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah Huron, Lake Huron. Um, so I got to drive actually on the way out there, actually on the way back, a very special Bronco which I've never driven. It was a four-door Sasquatch Bronco like ours, a Badlands, but it had the little engine and the manual transmission. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, what was that like? Freaking awesome. Is that under embargo? Don't, no. no. Okay, don't. No, no, no. Okay. no that's just a normal Bronco. Okay, you okay, can go okay. out and buy that. Um, or we do not want to – look, let's talk about embargoes just so people understand. Uh, so there's, I don't want to confuse people. There are two things that um, we're talking about. First, I'm talking about like podcasts or videos where they like to tease stuff. So to get you guys watching, it's a, you know it's a narrative technique that is often used because uh, it lets people um, stay on longer or build your curiosity up. So you're kind of uh, interested in watching it. That's not what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about so we're not we're not, we don't do that. We're not trying to tease something and then. You know, not tell you what it is. Our our um, TFL editorial stances are we're always transparent. Fair, right? But if we have an embargo, we have so to yeah. Embargo. So the embargoes work in such a way that the manufacturer invites a whole bunch of journalists, and in order for them to um, be able to publish their stories at the same time, the manufacturer says, "Hey, you can't publish driving impressions until such and such a time." So I do apologize if I was being a little um, stringent. Uh, and salty. I completely understand the embargo, so we do not want to break an embargo. We've never broken an embargo. Uh, you know, it's the rules that Ford sets, and we play by their rules because they invited us. So I have a feeling this Everglades is going to be one of these trims where folks in the comments are going to say, well, it's mostly an appearance package, which is sort of true. Sort Except for of the three true. inches of added And the winch. Depth, and yeah. the winch is functional, but right? you can always add that, right? Yeah, you could do that aftermarket. And is that winch controlled off one of the auxiliary switches? No, it's, uh, it's a standard Warren plug. Okay, you yeah. You plug it in. 
what I think this Everglades is going to be, I mean, if you kind of look at what it is, right, us car enthusiasts, especially off-road enthusiasts, are a weird bunch. Yeah. We want stuff like factory winches and steel-looking wheels and snorkels. And sporty station wagons. Yeah, exactly. Like us car enthusiasts, we want like a very specific breed of vehicle. Speaking of which, BMW just introduced the M3 Touring in Europe this week, which Great we're example. not getting. Yeah. Yep. And then that vehicle is introduced and nobody buys it. Like they, the, the, Kind of the car enthusiast's ultimate dream was CTSV a wagon. brown station wagon with a manual transmission and a supercharged V8. They built it. Cadillac did it for you guys at great cost, and by the way. And they're very valuable right now. Well, but when they were new, they couldn't give them away. They sold 500. Yeah. 500, which was laughable. I'm worried the Everglades is going to be like that because it's a very kind of niche-specific vehicle. So buy it now and then... Hold 30 years from it, now, yeah. people are going to be like, darn, that Everglades I, was cool. I want to say they built 7,500 of the first edition, which is a lot. Yeah. I don't think they're going to build many of these. Huh. I don't. Because it's 53,000 for the small engine. Yeah. And it doesn't get you that much more than like a, any other Sasquatch Bronco. But the stuff it does get you is very, very cool. How about towing? How much is it towed? Do you remember? I think it's... Like three and a half, like the rest I of them? I don't think it's any changed towing. Yeah. yeah. Um... And then, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. But yeah, it's going to be the Cadillac CTC wagon. But anyways, I drove a manual mm-hmm. Sasquatch Bronco Badlands on the way home. Yeah, how was that? Really well, liked it. You can't talk about it once again. No, it's not oh, an Everglades. Oh, it's a Sasquatch. It's okay. just yeah, a okay. Badlands. Yeah. yeah. And you like the manual? It, it was really good. Yeah, it's like, it's way more crisp than the manual that you'll find in a Wrangler. I mean, Ooh. it's really and precise. You've got, a, you've got a manual Wrangler compared to the Wrangler, and I really like that 2.3 in that vehicle. That is a phenomenal engine, like 300 horsepower, 325 foot-pounds of torque, plenty of power. Even on the 35s, like I had to overtake a big truck, third gear, 60 miles an hour, foot to the floor. The thing sounds good. It's responsive. Great manual transmission. So I did a little bit of a rant. I did the truck podcast this week. I did a little bit of a rant. But let me just uh, not rant this, but let me just kind of talk about what I did find out about the Bronco. So anytime we post a Bronco video, right, uh, people always comment, like, that's until the engine blows up, you know. Uh, and if you recall, Toyota had that same issue with the Tundra when it first came out. And what ended up happening with the Tundra was all these YouTubers and influencers made videos talking about how horrible it is because uh, the turbos fail. Same thing with the Bronco. The engine fails. And then it turned out, Tommy, uh, that with the Tundra, it was just a very small amount of trucks that had gotten bad turbos during like one day of production, right? So obviously the media and YouTubers blew it up into this huge thing. People were like, oh my God, it's a cab off. Same thing is kind of happening right now with the Bronco with the 2.7 liter. So when I first read the story, the 2.7 liter engines were blowing up, which they are, some of them, right? I was like, that's odd because Ford has been building a 2.7 for like the last five years and sticking it into the F-150. Uh, so why would all of a sudden, you know, the engine blow up in the Bronco but it hasn't blown up for five years in the F-150. And nobody addressed that in the story, right? They were all like, oh, my God. And there was actually, I was watching a Detroit news story where this woman was like, I don't trust the Bronco anymore. And Ford had replaced her engine. And I was like, just sell it then. It's worth 20 k over what you paid for it if you don't trust it. Anyway, finally got a hold of, a, of an engineer at Ford. You did? I did, yeah. Okay. Talked to an engineer. Without a PR person? Without a PR person, yeah. When was this? I don't want to go into it because that would give away my source. Okay. So I don't want that. That's, you know, journalists, we protect our sources. As it turns out, it was just a, a small batch of engines, once again, created during a small time frame. Mm. So, you know, the, the story is all Bronco 2.7s blow up, but the reality is it's just a small uh, amount of 
vehicles created early on in a certain time frame. I think it was like April of last year. At least according to your source. At least, well, I think that that's also published. That news is out there as well. So, I Well, think. so what happened, there was a similar story that was told on the Bronco forums yes. where someone claimed to work at the Lima engine plant yes. where they built the 2.7. Yeah. And, and they claimed, once again, completely unconfirmed, that there was a, a batch of, um, like, the manufacturer of the valves had used a material that was inconsistent with the that's what, standard. That, that's what my source said, too. So, anyways, uh, we'll have to follow up when Ford actually comes out with an official statement. Once, once again, a bit of a tempest in a teapot. Do you well... Just, do you, just, you understand that? Uh, yes, I understand it. We'll have to, we'll have to see. I mean, um, and HTSA and Ford are working closely now to see what the uh, scoop is. I think if we had more of them blowing up, like if it was, you know, uh, ep- an epidemic of engines going, at this point, you would have heard by it. But you know about it now, and there'd be news stories. But I think, like I said, I think it was a small segment of, of engines that were put into the Bronco early on. I so. actually, I, I like that little engine more than the big engine in the Bronco. Really, that little two three. That yeah. thing's a little, little, uh, little hero. It just kind of puts along. It sounded cool in that Badlands I drove. It had good power. So that's a great transition. Let's transition from the little engine to the big engine. It's not that big. No, I'm talking about the three liter now. That's like po- it's point seven of a liter bigger. It's not like it's a six two. The three-liter uh, Bronco Raptor engine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's that's also a weird decision that Ford made, right? So they went from the 2.4 to the 2.7 out of the three-liter. Both, all three of them are twin turbos. Uh, and with the Raptor, you get, what, 418 horsepower, if I remember right? Uh, uh, and, you know, 0.3 displacement more. Uh, I think it's plenty powerful, but I got to tell you, um, I'll, I'll I love, before I tell you what's good about that, uh, now that the driving impressions embargo is over, we can talk about what it drives. Uh, but let me tell you what's bad. It's thirsty, dude. That truck is thirsty. 37s are way thirsty. I want to say I drove to the ranch and back yesterday, and I put in $25 worth of gas, and I think I used most of that up going an hour. It's like 50 miles. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. There and back, you think? Yeah, probably, right? It's probably more than that. It's a half uh, hour there. So if you're going 55 miles or, an hour. I can tell you how far it is. Well, that says, can you Google map it? Yeah, I can tell you how many. I don't think it's very far, Dan. 23 miles from here. Well, so 50 miles. Yeah. Less than 50 miles. 46 yeah, miles. Yeah, and I used, I used about 20 bucks worth of gas to go that far. You really, but the question is, first of all, the Bronco Raptor starts at 70. Yeah. The folks buying it are probably not going to be paying 70. Most are going to be paying 90, 100, 110. Yeah. If you're paying 110 grand for a, or a Bronco, do you think you really care too much about gas prices? I don't know. You I know, really it, don't it, think it, so. It, it, you know, we, we say that a lot. That, bec- that becomes like an automotive cliche, but I know a lot of people who borrow that money or who stretch for that, be it wisely or unwisely, who probably do care, you know, who, could, who, who probably, who probably, you know, thought to themselves, this is my one chance to own the top dog uh, Bronco Raptor, so I'm going to go stretch for it. I'm going to borrow money or I'm going to sell my wife's inheritance or whatever it is. And so, yeah, I think a certain percentage of people do care. And I think also, once again, there's this myth out there that just because you're rich, you don't care about money, right? And I think that's not how the brain works. I think what ends up happening is the reason people, you know, it's like it's like the Ebenezer Scrooge. Ever, you know Ebenezer Scrooge, right, from the Christmas Carol? Sure. This guy was super rich, but he was the worst and most miserly of people. There are people like that who really do care about how much money they spend. So, yeah, I think people care. I don't know. I've talked to a few Lamborghini owners in my life, and not one of them brought up gas mileage as a negative in owning yeah, their car. Yeah, but have you talked to them recently? 
where gas prices are now at five. Well, they six, were in, seven, they were in California, know. so it was still five, six, seven bucks there. Yeah, even. I just I just don't buy that. Hey, if I can afford it, I don't care about the gas. How about if you afford it, you care about the carbon you're putting out there? How about that? Sure. Because that's the other half of that equation, right? Right, you're, you're putting out as much carbon but as, once like, again, as like your, your, your would, next five cars combined. I would make the pitch that if you care about carbon, you're probably not buying a purpose-built no, off-roader on 37s. I care about carbon, I would love that truck. I don't know if the average consumer would agree with you. Because uh, I, I, I love it. It has, nothing, it has The two are totally consistent in my head. I want the coolest, baddest-ass car, and at the same time, I care about you know what we're doing to this planet. I actually talked to some of the Ford folks about that on the Bronco launch, yeah. and they said from the research they've done, Raptor folks that are uh, looking to buy a Raptor, um, because they, they, there's all this, they were like questioning why there was all this like questions about online about a Bronco hybrid. And they're like, the, the, the Raptor audience is, for the most part, inconsistent with the uh, hybrid audience. Those are two very different groups of folks. Which, it, which you I know. Don't, I don't buy any of that. I, I, I absolutely do not buy well, that. Well, I think market I think research that, might disagree I, I, with you there. I think that's, that's Ford's either PR or market research spin. You know, it's the same, it's the same um, mentality that kept Volkswagen from importing the Amarok, which they should have done like five years ago, which would have gone and sold gangbusters. And, it, you know, it was Ford that finally so you think uh, a, broke that small truck compact. You think a Bronco-Raptor hybrid would be successful? Yeah. A I Raptor do. hybrid? I think, I think an electric Bronco would be hugely I th- successful. Well, an electric Bronco I agree with, but that's not a Raptor. Well, I'm uh, specific, uh, specifically asking about the yes, Raptor. Uh, yes, of course, because the Jeep 4x4 is the hardest one to get right now, the Wrangler, because you get a $7,500 tax oh, the credit. The 4x4? Yeah, the 4x4, sorry, yeah. the 4x4. You get a $7,500 tax credit, uh, and so people are buying them like hotcakes because it's the cheapest Much Rubicon you can get. Way more affordable, though. We're talking about a big afford. That's an affordability play where the, there's uh, nothing affordable uh, about a hundred thousand dollars. It's not affordable. I bet you a four by. It's probably fifty five. No, I think it's sixty five. I think that the dealers are ordering them and Jeep is building them at the highest possible. Yeah, sure. So you got every option, including like the fur on top of the uh, freedom panels. You know, even stuff that most people probably don't give a rat's ass about. So you mark up the price as high as possible because the dealer knows that they're going to get a seven and a half thousand rebate. I am all about a Bronco hybrid. I think that's a fantastic idea, but I think a Raptor is the wrong place for that powertrain. Well, if you're curious about what that is like in a drag race, we did it, and that video is now up and live on uh, TFL uh, Car or alltfl.com where we drag race the Bronco Raptor against the Jeep 492 and against our Sasquatch. 392. Now, 392. I keep saying 4. 392. Uh, and once again, I don't know the results. I didn't watch the video, so I'm not trying to tease anything, but I haven't watched the video, so I don't know which one won. I'm guessing it was a Jeep, but go watch the video because I don't know. So Andre said that the yellow Bronco beat the Bron- the Raptor by like a car length and a half yeah. in the quarter, and then the 392 walked away from the Raptor. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting discussion. Like, uh, So the other, the other point to that is how much of an impact would a standard hybrid system have in a Bronco? Right? Because if you look at the F-150 hybrid, you do get a fuel economy bump, but it's not a huge fuel economy bump. And that's another vehicle where, once again, the hybrid system is not available on the Raptor. Another example of this is the uh, Tundra TRD Pro. That thing is not really all that efficient, so, and that's a hybrid. So I kind of feel like, unfortunately, we, that, that boat has sailed, right? We have now gone way past the hybrid stage of off-roaders. At one point, and I think Jeep probably hit it at the right time, so sometimes timing is important. At one point, timing would have been right. You're trying to get public and you know most buyers to go from internal combustion to 
electrification, and the way you can do that is to wean them off to wean them off gas by doing a hybrid. Kind of the best of both worlds. Of course, the downside is you've got two powertrains. You know, it creates pr- problems. Uh, BMW tried it with the i8, didn't exactly work. Jeep is making it work in the 4xe, uh, but the bigger problem, at least from a perception point of view, is the um, Rivian and the Hummer EV, right? You're already, if you look at it as a, as a progression, right, you're going from one to the other to the other with the ultimate goal being complete electrification, you're already giving consumers the option to buy the fully electric ones. and. Uh, I personally feel like, why would I want to buy yesterday's tech when I can buy tomorrow's tech? Because you can't bring a jerry can on the trail. Yeah, I, I, it's a big I, problem. I mean, the charging infrastructure in a lot of places is nowhere near the I trails. Get, yeah, right? I get that, Tommy. But let's face it. Let's, let's let's look at the most use case scenarios. So, first of all, ninety nine percent of people who buy these things, and that includes the Hummer, unfortunately, will never take an off road. So who cares? So now you're talking to one percent of the people. One percent. But like trail recon dude, right? One percent. My art. Let me finish, and then I'll let you talk as long as you want. One percent. All right. Let's say two percent. Then if you go to Moab and you run most trails, right? They're not that long. Let's say you're going to go run fins and things. You you can charge it up and then go run fins and things all day and come back. You're not going to run out of juice. If you're doing overlanding, yeah, it's, it becomes an issue. So I don't think it's such an issue. But go ahead. I, I, I kind of spoke over you. I'd love to hear your opinion. Well, what is what is the reason the G wagon has three lockers? Uh, it goes back probably to when it was first uh, uh, specced by the by the Iraqi military, and, no. they, and they wanted three lockers because that's where it comes so from. So that's right? true. But why does the current one, which was fully redesigned, that has no relation to any Middle East um, army, have three lockers? What's your thinking? Here's my here's okay. my point. The reason that the G wagon has three lockers is because the ultimate perception of off road ability. The reason the G Wagon is as successful as it is is because it's a status statement. It's I have the ultimate vehicle which can conquer anything, go over anything. Yeah, I agree. It will never touch dirt. I agree. In a million years it'll never yeah, touch and dirt. Same thing with the Hummer. And same thing with the Hummer. Yeah. But the issue is that perception does not align with a limited range. Uh, vehicle that uh, cannot sure. be recharged. Sure it does, if, you, if you're never taking it off. But yeah, but but here's the thing. It's about the perception. The perception is I can't take well, it off-road. I, can. I can't take it off-road because there's no charging infrastructure near the trail. So so what you're telling me, let me let me just make this argument, I think, the way you're saying it. So what you're saying is people who buy the G-Wagon like the three lockers because it allows them to be the have the ultimate off-roader, right? And, them, the, to, and the boxy look. They don't know what they do, right, right. but the salesman told them these three buttons are make right. it better than any other and, car and, off-roader. And what you're saying is that people won't buy a Rivian or a Hummer EV because they feel that the perception is that if they take it off-road, they have limited range. So it's not as ultimately off-road capable. That's that's the equation you're making. That is, that is the equation I have, I have I put think, in front of the audience. Okay, I, I think that is absolutely... Uh, not the way that people think about this because, and I can prove it because Rivian is sold out and the Hummer is sold out. I think the people who buy it based on the fact that it's the ultimate off-roader care about range on-road, but wouldn't give a rat's ass about range off-road. And you see what I'm saying? I think the reason that's like me saying, first of all, the reason that they're sold out is because it's a new hot thing, right? I don't. It's the, first of all, every car is sold out. You can't buy a Kia Rio. Let alone yeah, the hottest yeah, electric but, but, truck but, but, in the market. On. They're uh, you're, early you're, in their hot vehicles. You're, you're right about that. But used or 
slightly used Hummer EVs are now selling for $250,000. There's sure. a lot of EVs that are, and a lot of cars that are unobtainium. But they're not the, the newest, the, hottest cars. Yes, there are. Broncos are selling, let's say, for $80,000. let us say ten, maybe fifteen over sticker, and that's quickly going down. Because, there, But there's more of them. R- Rivians are, are selling on bring a trailer, as far as I can tell, you know, 10, 20 over sticker. They're not doubling their Supply price. Supply and demand, Dad. They're not doubling their if price. If there were 150 Rivians, like there are 150 there Hummers. Were, for a long time, there were 150 Rivians, and they still weren't double the price. I think that they are more expensive. I think that the Hummer's kind of an anomaly. I think people know, there's a perception that people know the Hummer is so limited because they're not can, building can, any. Do me a favor. I know the prices. I've bring seen a trailer. the prices. Yeah. 110, 130. You're also talking about a Rivian, which launched with the advertised price of 80 versus a Hummer, which launched with the advertised of 130. That's a pretty big yeah, but, gap in itself. Yeah, but I said it's not it's not doubling the price, Tommy. And you can also talk about, if you want to talk about other cars, which really aren't that hot, which are doubling the price, vehicles like that AMG Mercedes that you had at that local Mercedes dealer that sold for double the price. Remember, you went to Mercedes R- Westminster? Right, but, but, oh, gosh, hold on a second. <laughs> Once again, you, whoa, 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 back up your horses. Either... You know, you're just trying to make your point, or you're unaware that Mercedes has announced that those are very limited production numbers. Just Where, like the Hummer. No, no, just no, like no, the no, Hummer. No, GM absolutely. Is, no, no, absolutely not. GM has not announced. That first those, editions, you bet. First editions no, are Tommy, very come on. limited. Now you're just be, now you're just being obstinate. Look, I want to have a, a realistic no, no, discussion, no, 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 and you're no, shutting no, down no, my no, argument. No, I'm not. That's not a real. You discussion. can't say no eight times in a row and expect me to like. <laughs> Hold on. Let, let me just. It's let, a realistic let me, discussion. No, it's not. Let me lay this out. Hummer is going to build as many Hummers as possible, whereas whereas Mercedes is going to build, let's say, 300 GTs, right? Sure, there'll be a limited amount of first editions, but after the first edition, there'll be second editions and third editions and, you know, space editions. And, you know, there's no amount of Hummer EVs that are going to get limited in terms of the vehicle itself. It sure, was like that, that Mercedes. May, no, that no, Mercedes no, no, launched. No. It was the AMG GT no, and then the not, AMG no, no, GTC no, no, and then no, the AMG. No. Absolutely not that, true. Please stop saying no a thousand times in a row. It's really hard. But it's not discussion. true. You're just, you're, it just, is now true. you're just making stuff up. It was Mercedes AMG GT, AMG GTC, AMG GTR. They just keep coming out with more and more no, versions of no, it. No, there's only the ones that are being doubled in price are the black editions, and that's a set amount of vehicles. Oh, sure. But uh, there's a. Uh, my oh, point sure. is, oh, you're right, but that's okay. It's my sure. point is that the, the reason that the Hummer is so hot, Dad, is because it's a very limited supply. Will you admit that GM's not building a lot of them and they're really struggling to get them out the door? Like, really struggling? Yeah, but they haven't announced. And, and Mercedes is struggling to get the, the GT Black Editions out the door, too. So what? But they're it's also struggling. a much less in-demand vehicle. That Hummer, for some reason, is just like... Uh, people were really, really into that thing. But it's not because of the affordability, I don't think. It's just because of its... Look, a Hummer attracts, I hate to say it, a certain crowd of folks. Um, I will. I will. I'll say it. Warning, Will Rogers. Why? Why did the Hummer H2 fail? Right. You're going down a very dangerous path there. You said it yourself off camera. You just Uh, won't. You just don't have the cojones to say it on camera. No. 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 The Hummer H2 attracts a very. The the one thing I always hated about old Top Gear was they made these stereotypes that, that, that I think are funny. But not necessarily you true. You had that conversation with GM that the reason the Hummer brand failed is they lost control of the brand. Yes. And that has that's to diff- do with the types of folks that are buying the Hummer. That's that's much different that's than, how the than saying are like being Top used. Gear would say that you know the Audi TT was all bought by hairdressers. Right? That's the road that I do not want to go on because there are a lot of non-hairdressers sure. that bought that thing. And, and I know Top Gear did it because it was funny, but it was not true. When's the last time you saw Hummer H2 on the trail? 
Mm-hmm. Well, when's the last time I even saw one on the road? Might be another. All the might time. Might be a better question. All I the time. I, I haven't in seen Colorado. One, I haven't seen one on the road recently. They, they're everywhere. H twos. Open your eyes. I, I mean, you kind one. of they kind of blend in now because they're old, but they're pretty out I, there. When, when I see one, I usually pay attention to it. Remember when we were at like Best Buy and the guy had the Alpha uh, truck? That was pretty cool. Remember that? I have no idea. The, the Alpha truck. Oh, the, but that was an H three. I'm talking yeah. at H two. Yeah, that was H two. Cool. But I'm saying when I see one, I'm, I kind of like I perk up because they're so. They're, they're so I rare. bet we'll see a one tonight going home. I bet you won't. Mm. They're, they're becoming rare. They're you know, you, you know what isn't rare? What I see all the time? If you want to have that conversation, the FJ. FJs are just everywhere in Colorado. Right. But Hummers, not so much, at least in my opinion. I, I kind of disagree on that one. Um, I don't want to offend anybody. My goal is not to offend anyone. But I'm saying, and you said it yourself, that Hummer lost control of the brand. That vehicle became the poster child of Beverly Hills and Chrome Spinners. Actually worse than that. It became the poster child for conspicuous consumption. Exactly. And those kind of folks that are drawn to that, I think, are more willing to spend $300,000 on a vehicle, which in a few years is uh, not going to be worth it. Uh, I, I, you know, so the stereotype you're painting is that, like, the Kardashians bought those things because, and rappers bought them because they were, like, loud. And then, yeah, and that's what I mean when they lost control of them, right? They went into music videos and they became kind of this poster child for the rap world, right? But there were a lot of people, a lot of families who bought them because they were cooler than a suburban and they needed a rig that could tow but look cool. Right? There, Some there, folks there, did. There were a lot of people like that too. So but very few people were buying them for off-roaders is my yeah, point. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And but that's I, a shame. I mean, the H2 actually is a phenomenal off-roader. We but, had but, one and it was Tommy, lovely. That's 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 every off-roader, not just the Hummer. That's your Everglades right there. Sure, but that one in specific really had a following of folks that that um, were were epitomizing conspicuous consumption. Right. I just had an interesting conversation with Ford about this um, and some, some high ups at Ford. I said, you know what would really sell is the excursion. They brought back an excursion right now. It would really, really sell. It would be extremely popular. People are paying more than new for 20-year-old excursions. Having said that, we couldn't sell ours on bids. Well, we ours is... We tried to get AK for it, which is what we paid for it. And it didn't. Maybe we overpaid. Maybe that was the well, issue. Or may, on ours. May, maybe when we bought it, gas wasn't six dollars a gallon. Right, and that <laughs> that certainly is factors in the equation. But they and I and they said, you know, you're right. But the fact of the matter is, you it's hard to express how much flack we took as a company with that thing back in 2004 when they made the decision to kill it. Um, it was a vehicle that had this aura around it that was completely undesirable. Yeah, so, make, so make it electric in modern day culture. Uh, yeah, you could make it electric, but ah. Uh, this, this, is, I, this is my biggest problem with the Hummer. I really don't like this attitude. Let's take a vehicle that is very, very over the top, very, very inefficient, uses a huge amount of batteries that really cost the earth a lot to mine, and call it okay because it's electric. 200 kilowatt hours in a Hummer? No vehicle should have 200 kilowatt hours in a range of 300 miles. That's ridiculous. In my opinion, that's kind of lazy engineering. You know, their solution to get range was just throw, throw, throw batteries at well, it. Well, uh, maybe what they did, I, and I don't want to, like, uh, speak out for GM engineers, but it just did come back from the Lyric. Yeah. Uh, and so they were telling me about the Altium battery packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe, you know, once again, the engineer was tasked with creating the ultimate off-roader. And to do that, you needed a lot of things. Like, you need to roll on big tires. You needed to be... Uh, tall, you need to have air suspension, all that stuff just adds a ton of weight. And so to power all that stuff, given the current battery tech, which we don't have solid-state batteries yet, they went with a big battery pack. But there's other ways to do it. I mean, And, and, and the other thing you said, which 
is true and not true, okay? So this is, this is a conversation. These are the comments we always see when we have electric vehicles, right? It's like electric cars are no more are not better for the environment because you got to mine the lithium. Yes, yes, you do have to mine the lithium, but there have been very persuasive studies out there that show over the course of an electric vehicle's life, it will use less carbon, it will use less energy, it will use less less resources than the equivalent internal combustion engine. And it, and that and that number is coming down, right? It used to be that you had to keep the thing on the road for this many years, but now it's coming down to fewer years as the processes get easier. And it's not fair, I think, to, to, to ultimately like compare a Gen 1, 1.0 electric car to like a Gen 25 right. internal combustion engine. The cars will get better. The batteries will get better. I the mean, mining will change. We're not on EV1 stage, though. Yeah, well, we that, are. That, that vehicle didn't need to be a thousand feet long and 18 feet wide and 20 feet tall. You can have big tires in an off-road capable vehicle in a lighter look, weight look, package. This is what makes I mean, here's what here's what freaks the hell out of me about that thing. That thing's a zero to sixty in three and a half seconds. I drive around Boulder in my Volkswagen that weighs thirteen hundred pounds, right? And it's it's alarming to think that someone with no skill, no ability to drive a vehicle that quickly, can go, they'll ultimately text and go ripping around our streets with nine thousand pounds of Hummer. Well, I mean tell me we can have that discussion if you want to have that discussion, have that discussion and there was just, there was recently, and we've got numbers behind this now. Uh, so NHTSA uh, asked the uh, manufacturers to start providing uh, uh, data on all their self-driving crashes. Yeah. Right? And the, right now we only got like one month's worth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out there was something, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but you can look it up. It, I'm pretty close. There were something like 300 crashes that were reported for self-driving. What company do you think had by far the lion's share of those? Tesla. Exactly. That's so not many, though. 300? No, one month of reporting so far. Oh, okay. There's not enough data yet. It's like yeah. they just started reporting it, right? Yeah. So by far. I mean, it was Tesla accounted for like 90% of all the accidents. Right. You know, and followed by Honda, which is weird. But anyway, because yeah, Honda's self-driving. It's, it's, well, it's the way they report it. you got to cut the numbers. Anyway, the, the, the interesting part there is if you're really worried about road safety, then maybe where you start cracking down is not on people. Because let's face it, have you trucks have been out there and are out there so the hummer is heavy but so is a is a ram 3500 or a super duty 40 you know f450 right these are all very heavy trucks so this is nothing new but they won't do zero to 60 in three seconds but, but, no agreed agreed and i'm with you on yeah. that i think the plot is actually worse i agree, it'll do two I agree. Seconds. 1. but, but yeah. what what maybe is a more pressing if you're going to go and talk about safety is that you're allowing uh, basically tesla to perform uh, beta uh, on our roads, right, that's putting lives at danger because that software, and, and I think Germany's much farther at, ahead of us than, than we are, that software is not ready for prime time and you should not be allowing cars to be driving themselves without, you know, stringent testing from both the manufacturer and the government. I completely Before agree. you let, you know, people lose by taking some kind of goofy test, right, that you have to take a self-monitored test that the Tesla does for you. And if you score the right numbers, then you can enable, you know, the latest version of uh, full self-driving. That is just bad, you know what, crazy. But I also think that there's a difference between autonomous technologies and a technology that actually really helps save lives. And there's a lot of confusion. You know, an autonomous feature where uh, you're on the highway and all of a sudden you feel safe to text and, you know, well, this, uh, this eat is, and all stuff while you're driving. I think that's dangerous. This, this is also confounding, but right? You bring up a hang good on. point. I'd like to say that I think stuff like automatic emergency braking has saved thousands of lives. Well, this is what's so confounding. So 
for the first time, and this could be due to COVID, everything's kind of gotten wacky with COVID, right? The American uh, number of American deaths has increased on highways. So we were going down, 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 and all of a sudden, this year, we went back up to over 30,000. And now you've got all the safety tech on many of the new cars, like you said, autonomous braking, right? Why isn't that decreasing the deaths instead of well, increasing. was it a 2020 year? I mean, part of the reason 2020 may have been up is if you look at... No, there, it was like 2021. Road the speeds latest, the latest blew up in 2020. People were driving like bat out of hell in 2020 because be. there was less know. traffic. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's all an interesting question. I mean, and then the other argument is like, well, then people become too reliant on stuff like automatic emergency braking and they don't pay enough attention. Uh, so, so uh, you know, personally, I've gotten to drive the Hummer EV. I love it. I fell in love with it. Uh, we had a TRX for the same reason. I love vehicles that push. One, one way you can say it is I love vehicles that make no sense. Another way to say it is I love vehicles that push the technology in for me. But they're not pushing the technology. They're putting 200 kilowatt hours of battery and giving it a no, big well, motor. Of course, that's one thing. But they are pushing the technology when it comes to crab walk. Right? No, nobody else has done that. Four-wheel Four steering has been around since Super no, Hikus. No, 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 not doing a crab Why walk. Why do you need a crab walk? Well, what is it used for a crab whether, whether walk? You, Tommy, don't conflate. You, not whether, whether you need it or like it doesn't mean it, it's not an advancement. It is an advancement. Sure, it's probably, you know. It's a backwards advancement. Like, it'll help people run into mailboxes, crab walking no, down No, you, like, you have this engineering problem. You have this giant vehicle. And whether you agree with it or not is beside the point. But you have it. So how do you get it? to turn in such a way that it's drivable or better yet parkable and then you create an interesting and innovative solution which is you give it four-wheel steering i think that's smart i like that yeah, it was great and yeah it is smart yeah. but it's not new i mean 300 ZX, 300 zx had four-wheel steering yeah, in the it, 90s no it had like one degree of steering either way either either in phase or out of phase it's, it's quadra steer Quadra steered like the same amount of steering in the early 2000s. It didn't work for the most it part. It worked great. It was Delphi Quadra steer. People, if you ever talk to someone that has Quadra steer, they still swear by it 25 years later. Anyway, anyway I just love the amount of tech. Uh, GM threw it. It's like the Corvette. GM like picks certain vehicles and they throw a lot of their best engineering at it. So I, I applaud them. And you know, we live in America. I'm going to say that you don't. No, nobody's forcing you to buy it. The market, hopefully, unlike other countries, will determine if it's successful or not. But right now, the market is screaming loud and clear. Look, GM got it right. I would be amazed if if a manufacturer came out with a small, lightweight electric vehicle that had 31 to 32 inch tall tires with locking differentials with a 50 kilowatt hour battery. I think it's coming. That will go 250 miles and cost forty five thousand. So you know, there's a rumor that Toyota's going to be bringing back the FJ. Yeah, which which, which could be that. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah. But I'm just not that impressed by a maker that slaps $130,000 on a price tag, 200 kilowatt hours, and 9,000 pounds. Tommy, I think it's also a bargain of the century because, as you know, our $130,000. Yeah. yeah. So it, let's just do a straight up comparison, right? If you wanted to get a Tesla Powerwall, you know how many kilowatt hours it is, right? It's yeah. ten. It's ten kilowatt hours. How much does that cost? How much is the Tesla Powerwall? $10,000. $10, so basically, if you use that to equate how much battery costs, you to get 200 kilowatt hours of battery Tesla Powerwalls, you would have to pay $200,000. Yet in the Hummer EV, you're getting that for $112,000. Do they do vehicle to load like Ford does? No, but then maybe, it's no use to me. That's a useless equation then, because in the Ford I can use those no, no, so 130 then, then use a Ford. So that's they're, a they're, Ford is a good value. I think Ford is a finally a very good 131 kilowatt hours. Right? Yes, Ford absolutely knocked out of the park. They really killed it with the Lightning. I really think they did it right. General Motors, though, I just I don't really see the appeal of the Hummer. And how do you know that the vehicle to load isn't coming? 
It doesn't. It, all it, you need is an inverter, and th- that inverter could be in the truck, or that inverter could be in the in the uh, in the charger. Right? It could go both ways. You don't have to put it in the truck. You could put it in the charger. I think you have to have some technology in the truck. I don't think it's quite that simple. Because, Maybe you're right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think. I think you do have to have some hardware. Is it, is it software enabled, or is it? I think it might be hardware. Because if you look at the Ford, which is interesting, I just took a look at our. We just got our in our. I new, mean, it is a battery. Right, but we just got in our and new. Electricity is electricity. We just got in our new Ford um, Charge Pro box, right. which does the V2L, and it's not like you think it would work. It, okay. it actually doesn't plug into the beds in the outlet, and it doesn't use a J7072 plug. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No, it uses a CCS port, like a fast charger. So basically, it looks like a fast charger plug that you plug into both ports on the F-150, and that's how it gets power back out. Look, I, I, I'm not an engineer, and I should ask. Yeah, I don't either. But, but to me, when I said a battery is a battery, right? I mean, you've got this thing that holds power, like a regular battery. It's no different than like a Duracell at the end of the day. Right, but the manufacturer has to go the extra step to add the integration to access that, that energy. You can't just say, oh, it's in the truck. So, so I, I don't know. I'm just saying that plug maybe only works one way. Maybe it doesn't work the other way. But I, I could see electricity flowing both ways, and I could see maybe a software solution. I don't know. You There's know what else GM. is confounding? This right. is just like, what are they doing? So you've got vehicles in an 800-volt architecture. Yes. Like the Taycan, right? Yeah, and the, and the like, Hummer EV. Nope. Taycan, EV6. Yeah, the Hummer EV. The Hummer EV only charges at 800 volts. Yeah, I know. It's only and then it drives halfway. at 400. I know. Why? Because they wanted fast charging and they didn't want, they didn't th- feel they needed or they didn't want. The, I don't the, understand the, the that. The accountant said, you know, this is going to get just a little, maybe, maybe to, to add that, right? Porsche has a lot more... Um, flexibility in their pricing, right? And that's proven by the fact that a Taycan Turbo S costs well over $200,000. Whereas GMC maybe felt that like if we added that, it would add a couple thousand to the price. And maybe that's a couple thousand too more. Who has absolutely no flexibility in pricing? Hyundai Kia. They are known for having no flexibility. And they're doing it at 40,000. I don't know. You know, the decision there could be that they're taking a loss on every one of those they sell. That's also a possibility. I, I think right now with electric vehicles, that actually may be the reality. It certainly feels like the reality. Uh, you know, the latest news out of Tesla was that uh, two bits of news this week. Tesla, uh, Musk said that the factories are burning money, uh, and that uh, basically he's trying to keep the company out of bankruptcy. Now, whether that's a way for him to motivate his, uh, you know, employees and his executives, I don't know. Or maybe that's a way for him to generate news for the sake of generating news because he's, you know, likes to do that. I mean, there must be... I, I don't know. I, I heard an interesting thing about Carlos Ghosn, who was a, not a good guy. but he former was, CEO of C- Nissan. Former CEO of Nissan. And there's got to be a way to make money because his deal with the Nissan Leaf, which started at 20, you know, 30-some thousand dollars, is he said from day one, every Leaf has to make money. And of course, the Leaf wasn't amazing. But it is proof that you can make money on EVs. Yeah. I mean, and, and if there was one person that wouldn't burn an extra penny if he didn't have to, yeah, I agree. It was Carlos Ghosn. Uh, so let's get back to the <laughs> Bronco uh, uh, Raptor. Um, outside of the fact that it's thirsty, uh, I was absolutely blown away by it. Uh, I got to take it up uh, Deer Creek in Keystone, and it just ate it up. I didn't air the tires down because I didn't have, honestly, a way to air them back up or time. But it was mind-blowingly really capable off-road. Yeah, they killed it. Yeah, they killed it. Yeah, yeah. they did a really good job with it. It's just a little, it's a little too wide. It's as wide as a Raptor. So I had a few conversations, and yeah. folks were saying, yeah, but, I mean, the mirror width probably isn't that different. And that's true, but the body width really is different. 
So we were going through some trails in the Everglades up in Michigan, and they were so narrow that you couldn't squeeze the fender width of a Bronco through some of those trails. They were that Bronco narrow. Raptor. Bronco Raptor. Bronco Raptor. Yeah, because yeah, those, 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 uh, those people hate those. Uh, the flares. Yeah, they stick out So a lot. even though the mirrors may not be different, but the bodywork is that much wider, and the track width is only 9 inches wider, 8.6 inches. So you know, what, like, you know what I've been thinking about recently? Uh, what's, what's better? Which would you rather have? Let me ask you this. I'd like to get your opinion. Uh, uh, F-150 Raptor or Bronco Raptor? Because they're very similar now in terms of pricing. Um, I'd take the Bronco. Would you? Really? Why? I just like... Is it different? Is it new? Or is it just you like the fact that you have a... I just don't... In my life, I don't have a need for a truck, for yeah. a truck really. Yeah. Right? And I, uh, I like being able to take the roof off and the doors off. All right. How about Bronco Raptor versus Raptor R? If and when that comes. A Bronco Raptor. Okay, still. I can still, still t- I mean, I, if I could take a roof off an F-150, I'd be like, oh, yeah, let's do that. But, okay. I mean, well, the other question, too, and this is very what could happen. There could be a Bronco Raptor R. Yeah. There's nothing stopping them, you know. <laughs> or an EV Raptor. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, it's... Bronco or F-150. <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason, this is a tricky thing, the only reason that the Raptor R exists, right, the only reason is because of the TRX. That thing wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the TRS. Yeah. Uh, how, about a, how about a Ranger Raptor? Well, that exists already. It just yeah. doesn't exist in America. Well, we've been getting a lot of spy shots about them, so yeah. it's got to be coming to the States soon. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I would still take the Bronco, but it's going to be more expensive than a Ranger Raptor. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, we had a lively conversation. Very lively. <laughs> As always, people say they hate our arguing, and yet it's father and son. It's kind of part of the... Part of the deal, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, as always, we'll uh, see you on another episode of TFL Talk. Yeah, let's get some lunch. All right. All right, see you guys next time. Remember, alltfl.com. Ciao. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 support your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.